All right, welcome to the Make America Garrett Again podcast, your cure for the mainstream media. I'm thrilled you're here. I'm glad that you found this podcast and I'm glad you're listening today. So here's what I am aiming to give you with your time that you invest here. When you turn on the news, when you scroll through your Facebook feed, when you read the headlines, everyone is trying to tell you what to think and they're trying to tell you that their way of looking at this issue is the only way to look at it and that this is the that you have to do what they want you to do and you have to side with them because that's the right side. That's the right thing for you to do. So my goal for this podcast is to help you understand what's really going on, what it really means, what's really at stake, and to help you understand why each side is talking to you the way that they're talking to you. What are they trying to get you to do? How are they trying to manipulate you by the way that they speak to you and by the way that they craft their messaging? And what do these decisions and policies and issues really mean to your life and to your freedom and your liberty? So let's just jump right in. The time of recording, this is January 19th, 2019, and we are on day 29 of a government shutdown. Both sides are kind of holding steady. The Democrats are saying, you know, that Trump doesn't need this wall and that that he doesn't need the money for it. And Trump is doubling down and saying he absolutely does need it. And this is a matter of national security. So today's show, we're going to be talking about the wall. What does it mean? Where did it even come from? Do we need it? We're going to find out. So let's jump back to 2016, uh, the presidential election, Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump is a uh, reality TV show host and a real estate mogul and a billionaire, and no one would have expected him to be running for president, let alone to win the presidency. But hey, here we are. I guess the Simpsons predicted it if uh, you want to give them credit for that. But one of the main things that Trump ran on was the wall. We're going to build a wall. It's going to be big. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. And Mexico is going to pay for it. It's going to be awesome. That's what we need. And suddenly you have half of America kind of perk their ears up. Like, holy crap, we we do need a wall. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds great. This is going to fix all of our issues. This is going to take us back into place. And then predictably, you know, the other half or maybe two thirds of us are going, why? What is this? We don't need a wall. That's dumb. There's a million ways to get around the wall. Who cares? So immediately, people start choosing sides. There's all kinds of talk about it in the news. And and this talk has kind of followed him into his presidency as he keeps bringing it up over and over again, doubling down on it, making sure that we we know that we are absolutely going to get a wall. Mexico is absolutely going to pay for it. And it is absolutely going to protect our nation. So Trump is saying that we need a wall because we have illegal immigrants just walking right across the border, just strolling across in broad daylight, and there's no one there to stop them. This is increasing uh, the drug traffic into our nation. This is increasing violent crimes, that there are MS-13 gang members who are coming across. These people are coming over, and they're collecting welfares. They're draining our taxes. You know, when we have to put them in jail, we're paying tax money to keep them in jail. And perhaps the worst crime of all is they're coming over here and then they're voting illegally. And they're not voting Republican, mind you. They're voting Democrat. So they're ruining our democracy by voting for the Democrats. And we got to put a stop to this right now. A wall would stop this because then they just couldn't walk across anymore. That there would be something to stop them and they would have to go to some kind of designated entry port and try to get themselves in the right way, uh, and obviously we would stop all their drugs from coming into the nation and all of this. So 
let's stop for a second. Those kind of things are fair enough to understand. Those are easy enough to understand. And if you look at it strictly that way, I think from a safety point of view, you could say, well, yeah, you know, maybe it would help. You know, maybe it couldn't hurt. We'll at least give it that much. So let's let's jump back to the marketing that Trump is doing here, the, the way that he's trying to get you to buy in to his wall and to his proposal. Well, the, the thing about the wall is, most importantly, it appeals to your sense of security, okay? A wall is a safety measure that you can take. It, it doesn't necessarily prevent bad things from happening, but it does help prevent the chances of something like that happening. Uh, in the same sense, you know, the a lot of the argument that people will throw out sometimes is, well, you lock your doors at night, don't you? Uh, you put on a seatbelt when you drive your car, don't you? Knowing that, you know, somebody's probably not going to try to just walk through your door tonight while you're sleeping. Somebody's, you're probably not going to get into a car accident in this particular car, tri- car trip that you're taking. But we, we do these things just in case, just to be safe, and that it's a first line of defense to kind of deter some of those things from happening. So by reaching out to your sense of security, it tells you that Donald Trump is the candidate who's concerned with your safety, right? That when you think about whether or not this wall is a good idea, there's there's something that's, that's going to stick in the back of your mind just a little bit to say, well... You know, at least this guy is trying to keep me safe. I mean, I mean, Hillary hasn't mentioned border security at all. She doesn't. She obviously doesn't care. And so, what that can do, if you're an undecided or if you're, uh, you know, a, a middle kind of voter, then what those kind of things can do is they can hopefully, without maybe even without you realizing it, they can kind of sway your opinion back and forth a little bit, and they can kind of toy with your mind to help you buy into what they're asking for. On top of this. Mexico is going to pay for the wall, so it's not even going to cost us anything. I mean, if you're giving me anything for free, right, people will give you stuff for free that you would never buy in a million years, but you'll take it because it was free. Maybe we don't even need a wall, but heck, if it's if it's going to be free, let's take it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's let's do this to try to keep us safe. And so on top of that, what else do we know about this wall? It's going to be a big, beautiful wall. Now, what does that look like? I want you to stop. And I want you to picture in your mind that you're at work taking your lunch break, or maybe you're sitting on a park bench somewhere where you like to relax, and suddenly the most beautiful person you've ever seen comes up to you. Stop. What kind of person were you picturing in your mind when I mentioned the most beautiful person that you've ever seen? If I could ask each and every one of you what that was, there's going to get plenty of different answers. Some of you listening are attracted to men. Some of you listening are attracted to women. Some of you might like blondes or brunettes or redheads, whatever it is. But as you can kind of see where this is going, there are a million different things that you could be thinking of when I talk about this the most beautiful person you've ever seen. So jumping back to Trump's wall... This is going to be a big, beautiful wall. What that does is it's got, it's, it has no real descriptive property to it to tell you what this wall is actually going to look like. It just tells you that it's going to be big and it's going to be beautiful. And so what that does, as you picture it in your mind, you're picking out the details that are most appealing to you. So when one person thinks of a wall, it can be big and concrete. Maybe it's got murals painted on the side of it. And then another person thinks of a big steel wall that, that you know, just shows this kind of strength and it just it just emits this kind of energy to it. And, and maybe somebody else sees a big 
know, like fiberglass wall or something that you can see through. And, and it really doesn't matter because, again, what that does is that helps you to buy into this idea early. You are thinking more and more about what this wall could look like, what it could be, and the more that you picture it, it helps you buy into it. And then as those things come closer and closer to actually happening, you know, let's say that we we, we get money approved for the wall and we start building blue, making blueprints for it, or, you know, the wall actually starts getting put up, or again, in this case, um, you know, we find out that maybe Mexico is not going to pay for it. Well, that's okay because we've already bought into it and we've already bought into the bigger idea of what this is going to be and how it's going to happen. And so suddenly when it comes into hashing out the details of who's going to pay for it, what it's going to look like, just how big it's going to be, all of those things become less important when it's go time, right? As you buy into those things, that helps. And then the more that we argue about whether or not we even need a wall, it's constantly reiterating all of these things. Again, you're reinforcing the idea that Donald Trump is concerned with your safety, that Donald Trump is the only one who's going to be doing anything about this. And so when it comes down to you making a decision about a tough vote, maybe you're going to lean toward Donald Trump because he's the one who showed the interest in taking care of you to, to stop these horrible people that are coming across the border or whatever. So this kind of information, some of that stuff you can get from, there's a book by Scott Adams called Win Bigly. Really interesting book, really great book, and it will help you understand a lot of the the ways that Trump does the things that he does and the reason that he does the things that he does and that they're not completely random and they're not just because he's an idiot, but a lot of times there is uh, some kind of rhyme or reason to it. And th- that's going to be something that we're going to talk about a lot on this show is why is he doing that? What does that mean? What is he trying to get at by doing this? So on this show, we're going to talk a lot about Donald Trump and uh, I'm more than happy to congratulate him or hold him up when he does something that's good. And I'm more than happy to call him out and to tell you when something he's doing is bad or when it's wrong or when it's just flat out false. We're going to talk a lot about what Trump's doing and not just is it good or bad? Is he right or wrong? Is he telling the truth? Is he lying? But more importantly, you know, what is he trying to make you think about? What is he trying to make you focus on? All right, we talked about the reasons that we need a wall. Let's talk about maybe the reasons why we don't need a wall, maybe why it's not such a good idea. Well, first of all, would a wall even work for the issues that we're having? If anybody's ever seen a wall, you know that they can climb over it, tunnel under it, go around it. You know, the Gulf of Mexico on one side and the Pacific Ocean on the other, they could just boat around the outside of it. All those things are good points. Most illegal immigrants actually come into the country legally and then they overstay their visas. So they're granted a visa. They fly in. Maybe they do just walk across the border at a, at a border entry point. However they get in doesn't really matter. But they get in legally and they're able to work or whatever. And then their visa expires. These visas are usually good depending on what it's approved for. You know, a lot of times it's a couple of years, something like that. And then it expires. And the idea is that Sure, they'll just say, well, you know, I guess my time's up. I'm going to head back to whatever place I came from that I was trying to avoid when I came here to America. But the reality is, you know, they keep on doing what they're doing. They've already got a job. They've already got a place that they're living. They're they're getting used to this life at least somewhat, and they wouldn't be here if it weren't better than where they were coming from most of the time. So a lot of times they just don't go back home. If you're asking me, who could blame them? So obviously the wall isn't going to stop those people. The other thing is this wall is going to cost a lot of money. 
And uh, whenever you talk about money, people are always going to bring up whatever issue they find to be more important than this issue that they don't want to pay for, right? We have homeless veterans. We have no good water in Flint, Michigan. We have starving puppies. We have children without health care. We have whatever it is. Um, there's always going to be something, and I don't want to belittle whatever issues are near and dear to your heart, but it, it's always interesting that somebody wants to build a giant concrete wall, then suddenly these people aren't so worried about homeless veterans. But then when Democrats want to up welfare spending or when they want to spend money on medicinal marijuana or whatever, then suddenly now we're worried about these homeless veterans and now we're worried about whatever. So one of the other things that we're going to talk about that's going to come up in this show a lot is the way that groups of people or the way the issues are used as pawns in these arguments and that I'm not so convinced that any of these politicians are really concerned with the issues that you see or that, you know, a lot of us think are genuine things that we need to deal with as a country. So let's go back to some money. The the government shutdown is over $5.7 billion for Trump's wall. That's what he wants to get started, get the plans up, get them rolling. And the argument that you'll hear against this a lot is, well, you know, that's a drop in the bucket, right? Um, somebody broke the math down with the federal budget. If the government were a family making $44,000 a year, this would be a $60 charge, right? Imagine halting everything with your spouse or whatever over 60 bucks. Well, that's true for now. That's what it's going to cost to get this started. The initial estimates for this wall were actually 20, 25 billion dollars, something like that. And then those kind of ballooned up to $60 billion when we start talking about just how big this is going to be and just how much of the existing border fence we're going to redo and all of this. So already we've gone from $6 billion to 20 or $25 billion up to $60 billion. I don't know if you see a pattern here. Hopefully you do, right? These types of government projects, they're not constrained to a budget like you might be or like I might be if we were building a fence around our house or we were doing something to fix our car or, you know, upgrading anything. So I would say that it's much more likely that when you talk about the money that they're going to print or borrow to get us ready for this wall, and then when they go over budget and then when they need extra things and all of this, you're talking upwards of probably over $100 billion easily, maybe even more than that. So it's not just about... $5.7 $5.7 billion. It's always going to be more. You know, you, you give somebody an inch, they're going to take a mile with that. We just have to be honest here and say, listen, it's not necessarily about $6 billion. It's, it's about plenty more. Would the cost of the wall outweigh the rewards? How do those weigh up? Well, Trump says that illegal immigrants are costing us about $250 billion a year. Uh, where did he get that number? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, That was a number that sounded good to him, so that's what he rolled with. Yes, while it's true that we're spending money on border security already, we spend money on putting illegal immigrants who commit crimes, we put them in jail, we have to hold them over while they're processed, whatever. Yes, these are all costs. However, on the flip side of that, you could argue that they also put a decent amount of money into our economy, right? But besides the obvious that they're willing to work jobs that maybe you and I aren't willing to work or doing things cheaper than what we would be doing, willing to do them as American citizens, it's also important to note that they do pay taxes typically and they 
cannot collect food stamps or cash assistance. So a lot of times what they do is they'll get a fake social security number and they'll pay into taxes that way and they'll pay into social security as well and they're never going to be able to draw that out. So social security is a nightmare all of its own and it's it's upside down very soon, but they're kind of helping keep that from collapsing for just a little bit longer. You know, we're, we're going to deal with social security another day on the show as well. Institution on, or Institute on Taxation Economic Policy, they estimate that illegal immigrants put about $12 billion into local governments and state governments every year. ITEP, if you haven't heard of them, they are a kind of liberal uh, think tank, but you, so you could say that's uh, maybe a, a generous estimate, but the idea is that these illegal immigrants, they are living over here, right? So anything they buy, they're paying sales tax on. Uh, when they pay rent, those things are going towards somebody's property taxes that they're paying. So this isn't just a net drain on the economy or anything like that, that there really is a lot of complicated stuff going on. Now, at the same time, if they go to the emergency room, they can be treated and, you know, it's going to be hard to collect money back from them. So you could you could talk about maybe the cost of what they're doing to our healthcare system and, you know, all of that stuff. But it's important to note here that it's really complicated and you probably can't get a good answer on how much money we are gaining or losing on these people. And what that really come what that really means when you get into complicated stuff, that means that people are going to tell you the side of it that they like to, to hear about it. So uh, Democrats are going to harp continually on the idea that they're paying into all this stuff and they're not getting anything out of it. And your Republicans are going to talk about how they are collecting things and, and they're going to exaggerate the amount of things that they collect. And they're just also going to talk about, you know, they're criminals and whatever. So let's just ask the obvious question here. Um, why can't they come in the right way? Why can't these people just come in legally? That's a good question. The main reason is it's expensive. It can cost between $1,000 and $4,000 typically to get in, get all your paperwork through, get your testing through. Uh, you know, every time you fill out a piece of paperwork, you've got to pay a fee. Uh, it will be easier to do if you hire an immigration attorney, which is going to cost you between $1,000 and $3,000 on top of all your paperwork. But that guy's going to hopefully be able to help you get it done the first time, get it done right, you know, maybe skip you ahead on a waiting list or whatever if, if they have the power to do that. And then you're also looking at travel expenses, five to $6,000 coming from Mexico. Uh, a lot of times it takes uh, about $16,000 if you're traveling from the Middle East. That's a lot of money, right? And if you're talking about some kind of third world country where people are making, you know, 50 cents, a dollar, $2 an hour, that's a lot, a lot of money, right? That, that would be, you know, almost insurmountable right away. So there's your first difficulty is how in the world are you going to come up with the money to do this? The next thing, and probably the most important thing in my opinion, is it takes a long time. It can take you eight months to be granted a visa. Uh, if you want to try to get asylum status, that can take around six months or so. Um, if you're trying to get asylum status, the application is 12 pages of questions and 14 pages of instructions. So just imagine that you can't read very well in another language. Um, you know, maybe you took Spanish in high school and then somebody stands, hands you a stack of, you know, 26 pages that you've got to go through in Spanish. That's going to be difficult. Right. That's going to be really confusing. And again, that, that's going to be something that's kind of overwhelming, you know, almost like telling you that you need to come up with uh, five grand to, to travel and then another four grand to get your paperwork done to do it legally anyway. 
Um, if you're a refugee, your applications take longer. But on the flip side, you are a little bit more protected and have more access to services and more stability if you are approved and you get to come into the States. It's, it's harder for them to kind of change their mind, turn around, and kick you out. Legal immigration, it tends to take years. If you're trying to, to go from one country to another, try to change your citizenship coming into the U.S., sometimes uh, two or three years, you know, if you're lucky, um, it can be as long as 10 to 15 years, sometimes even 20 years to get all of that paperwork right and to get it to go through. So just imagine, I think we've all probably had to go to the DMV at one point or another, and you go there, you wait in line, right? You had to make sure that you could be there when they were open anyway, and now you've waited in line, and now it's your turn, and you get up there, and you find out that they need your birth certificate and they didn't tell you that before or you know they needed some other kind of piece of paperwork so you go back home you got to find another time to go in you got to go in you got to wait in line again all of this stuff over and over and over again um and you know sometimes it takes you two three four times to get it right and it's a big pain even more so when you don't speak the language you don't have anywhere really to stay and perhaps you've got your family tagged along with you and all of your possessions are are packed on your back and you're trying to do this anyway and then you find out that it can take two or three years, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years, 20 years. Um, if you want a better life today, if you have kids today, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have to go through all of that. And so it's really easy for us to say, being on one side of the country or being born here and growing up here, you know, it's really easy for us to say, oh yeah, you know, they need to come across the right way, you know, or I know somebody who came in legally and they're here legally. So these people should have to come through legally too. Yes, ideally, sounds great. However, uh, realistically, if your your kids are looking at you and you're trying to get them to a better life somewhere, somewhere where you can, you know, have access to food or have access to safety or whatever it is that you're seeking when you come here, maybe you're better off taking your chances just trying to sneak across the border. So, what's the truth here? Are these people criminals? Well, Crime rises whenever population rises. So if you're bringing a group of people into our country, crime is going to go up because the population is going up. If you have more people, you have more potential to commit crimes, right? If you were to say that, you know, maybe 5% of people are criminals, if you have 100 people, you're going to have five criminals. If you have 200 people, you're going to jump up to 10 criminals. So it doesn't say necessarily say anything bad about the hundred people that you just added as a group, you don't get any good picture of what kind of people they are necessarily. But the fact of the matter is just having humans involved, you're going to see your crime go up. So it's not necessarily a fair argument when you talk about, you know, crime rising because these people come in. However, at the same time, if you see maybe, you know, a a massive jump in crime with a small group of people or something like that, it could tell you something a little bit different. But what it comes down to, especially when you're talking about immigrants coming up across the southern southern border, these people are a mixed bag. You know, you're going to have some good people and some bad people. And if somebody commits a crime, you know, when someone's murdered by an illegal alien or if, if someone is, uh, you know, sexually assaulted or whatever, that's going to make headlines. And, and it's going to come across very much that these people are, you know, maybe they're bad people or whatever, when at the same time, all of the other people who are, you know, law-abiding citizens and who, 
you know, maybe help other people, they donate to charity, they, you know, do a great job at work and they go above and beyond to make, you know, wherever they're working a better place for you, the customer. Those kind of things aren't on the news and those kind of things can't really be measured. So I think it's important to realize that anytime we're talking about groups of people, one of the things about libertarians is we're against collectivism, right? We don't want to view people as part of a group and make big assumptions based on that group just because, you know, you're black or white doesn't mean that you're a good or bad person. Each person is an individual who at the very least has a right to be viewed by their character and not by what they look like or what group they come from or what area they come from, religion, whatever. So it's important to note, I think, that these people coming in, it's going to be mixed. You know, you're going to have some good people and some bad people. And those aren't necessarily good reasons uh, where you can quantify whether or not People should be allowed in a certain way. Um, The other thing is, you know, we're a nation built on immigrants, right? So if we still look back at that and we look at most of us can uh, at least have a general idea of kind of what our family history may have been, where our ancestors may have come from to get into this country, we see that most of us, you know, basically if you weren't Native American, then you came from somewhere else. And so if that's the case, where do we draw the line as to when it was okay to have immigrants and when it wasn't? Because if you take that argument back in its fullest extent, you're saying that you don't belong here as well. The next thing is the welfare state is a drain on our economy no matter what your citizenship is, right? So if we're talking about these people coming in and then not being able to pay for themselves and not being able to afford food for their kids or whatever, and and we've got to give them tax dollars to make sure that they make ends meet. Again, we we covered earlier that this is not as free as a lot of people think it is, but they do have some access to WIC and some other things like that. So these things are going to cost money, but at the same time, they're costing us money anyway. Um, The welfare state does not just apply to immigrants. It doesn't just apply to people of whatever race or skin color It applies to a lot of people from a lot of different places and a lot of different backgrounds. We're already paying a lot, a lot of money in taxes to those things. What I would argue when it comes down to this uh, argument about secure borders, you know, do we want open borders? Do we want them locked down? You know, nobody comes, nobody goes. How hard should it be to get through? I think the biggest thing to realize if if you don't pull anything else out of this is we either should have strong borders to kind of protect the welfare state a little bit if you are going to go that route and you're going to give people money uh, who aren't working for whatever reason, then you need to to lock the borders down a little bit because it's way too easy and it's way too enticing to tell people that all they have to do is get across the border or all they have to do is get citizenship and they're going to get X amount of money kind of guaranteed to them uh, even if they don't work and they don't produce anything. On the flip side, You could also make the argument that we should just open up the borders and get rid of the welfare state. And that's something that I would be a little bit more a fan of because then everybody is is forced to do something. Everybody is forced to produce and everybody's forced to participate in the economy. And there's a responsibility there and there's a motivation that, that we are losing as a culture and that we're losing as a nation. So as we wrap this up, the number one thing I want you to realize and this is going to come up a lot 
over and over and over again in this show is that the politicians who you see on TV, they're not worried about making the country safer. They're not worried about making it a better place for immigrants. They're not worried about making sure that all these people are taken care of. They are posturing. They want to make sure that they have their sponsors and that they have their votes no matter what and that they stay in power no matter what happens. As you can kind of see is what we've gone over today. Our immigration system is a mess. There is so much to be done to make it better to vet people coming into our country and to get them through. And again, the the way that we have it set up right now is you're almost encouraging them to come across illegally because it's such a royal pain to try to come through the legal way. So you might as well just kind of come in and take your chances working and, and hope that you don't get deported and hope that you can sneak across again or whatever. So the most important thing to remember here is that when you're talking to politicians, you're talking to people on the news, they're not worried about making the country safer. They're not worried about making it a better fit for immigrants, all of these things. It's all about their posturing, right? They want you to know that they're on the right side, that they're the ones who are looking out for you, and that they're the ones who you need to be supporting. All they care about is getting more votes. All they care about is making sure that their sponsors are continuing to feed them money so that they continue getting rich and they continue getting votes. So if they can convince you that their side is the right side, then they've done their job. As we've kind of gone over on this podcast, there aren't simple answers. There's not an easy way to get through this. And if you're just listening to one side, you are really only getting half the story. And so... If you want to fix this, you've got to fix our our immigration system. We need immigration reform to make a difference in the issues that we're facing here. However, that doesn't sound good on a bumper sticker, right? Build the wall. Stop Trump. These are the kind of things that sound good and they make a good hashtag and they look good on a t-shirt. And when the answers are complicated and uncertain and they have pros and cons, politicians don't want to talk about it. Yes, $5 billion is a drop in the bucket of our national budget of $4 trillion. At the same time, Trump could have easily done this two years ago when he took office and he had a Republican Congress to work with. But instead, they held off. They waited for a time where there were Democrats in Congress to make their jobs more difficult. It brings all kinds of drama to the stage. And now everybody's riled up and everybody's fighting about it and everybody's going back and forth. And there's a huge standoff over this so that we make everybody gets to make sure that their voice is heard, right? And everybody gets to, their chance to be on the news and to, to let you know, you know, how bad the other side is and how good their side is and, and what a hero they are for fighting for us. And you're going to see these things happen a lot. Republicans talk nonstop about stopping Obamacare and and repealing it completely and going back to the way things were the whole time that they didn't have – the whole time that we had a Democrat president who was going to veto it. Then suddenly Republicans take charge. It kind of changed to uh, repeal and replace for just a little bit, and we talked about it, and really they didn't do much at all. They, you know, repealed very small parts of it, but Obamacare is still very much in effect. And at the same time, you know, they talk about this wall the whole time that they're incoming, and then the wall is pretty much just dropped. And now that the Democrats are in power, the Republicans have something to run on again against the Democrats. And so now we're bringing the wall up now that it wasn't you know, a a slam dunk to get through. And I'm going to tell you right now, look for this wall to extend into the 2020 election uh, for the presidential election of 2020. This is going to be campaign fuel. 
they're going to want to drag this out and then the project is going to kind of hang out in limbo and they might start it and they may get a little bit of progress on it, but it's not going to be anywhere close to done. And they're going to absolutely need your vote in 2020 to make sure that we get this wall built or to make sure that we stop this wall from being built and that we stop the bad orange man, you know, whatever it is. They are posturing and they are preparing to use this so that everything has dire consequences and everything has to be done this election. You know, they're going to tell you this is the most important election of our lifetime right now, right here. So listen, do me a favor. Let me know what you thought of the podcast, what you want to talk about, what kind of issues that that we need to dive into a little bit deeper. And just let me know what you think. And I can't wait to see how this is going to grow and how this is going to evolve and how we can make this the best show we possibly can for our listeners to make sure that you're informed, that you understand all the sides of the issues, and that you can also see when they're trying to reach out to you and manipulate you into you know thinking their way instead of thinking your way. So reach out to me on Twitter. Username is Garrett. Again, that's Garrett with just one R. Or you can reach out to me on Facebook.com slash Garrett again. Hit me up. Questions, comments, topics whatever you got. Until next time, thanks a lot. Catch you later.